The Broncos Blitz Podcast with Ronnie K. Analysis, discussion. It's the Broncos Blitz Podcast with Ronnie K. Welcome to the Broncos Blitz Podcast. My name is Ronnie Court. You can follow me on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio. That's at R-O-N-N-I-E, the letter K Radio on Twitter. We're today on the podcast, a complete review of the Denver Broncos and the 2020 draft. It is all wrapped up from the first to the seventh round. Who did the Denver Broncos select that is ready for an immediate impact or who is potentially the prospect that maybe down the line could become one of those starters that Denver is looking for? Of course, they're looking for immediate impact, but also long-term options. And there's a lot of good ones in this draft class that uh, Denver is going to be trotting out. And, of course, they make, uh, well, a solid 10 selections in the 2020 draft. We'll talk about those selections here on the podcast today. But, of course, you know, during this COVID-19 era, we always remind you to shop local and Of course, the many local uh, friends of Mile High Sports and this podcast from our friends at Blake Street Tavern to our friends over there at uh, Blanchard Family Wines, Tap 14, Collision Brewery, and Joy Wine and Spirits, many of the great individuals who, uh, of course, have supported us throughout uh, the years, and we want to support them back. And, of course, we ask you, hey, go grab a gift card from them or many of the different things that you can do, take out, uh, curbside as Well, hopefully we get back to normal in the next couple of weeks, but uh, until then, make sure you support these local businesses as they grind through these tough times. But the Broncos Blitz podcast, of course, a podcast from Mile High Sports. You can follow me on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio. As we take a peek at the 2020 draft class for the Denver Broncos, of course, their first-round selection, 15th overall, Jerry Judy, the wide receiver out of Bama, followed by the wide receiver out of Penn State, K.J. Hamler with the 46th pick overall in the second round. Third round pick, Michael Ojemudia, the cornerback out of Iowa, followed by the third round pick, 83rd overall, Lloyd Cushenberry. McKelvin, McTelvin Aguim follows up the third round with the 95th overall pick out of Arkansas. From there, Denver had a good mix of offense and defense in day three with the 118th pick, uh, Albert, as they call him, Albert O, but... Uh, Okuwe Buna is uh, at least the pronunciation that uh, we have. And uh, a guy who, look, I'm very familiar with Drew Locke. We're going to get uh, into Okuwe Buna's game and what he can provide. Uh, Justin Sternad as well, too. The linebacker out of Wake Forest with the 178th pick becomes a Denver Bronco. Natani Mutai, the offensive lineman that fell quite a bit bit and I tell you what we're going to talk about Mutai and what he could be bringing to Denver on a long-term basis out of Fresno State the guard sixth round pick 181st overall Tyree Cleveland wide receiver out of Florida seventh round pick 260 uh, two excuse me 252 and then uh, Derek Tuska is the uh, final pick seventh round pick 254th overall the edge rusher out of North Dakota State go Bisons. When you look at the draft class, immediately you say, okay, uh, offense is obviously where they loaded up between Judy, Hamler, and Okawebana. This is a draft class that is certainly providing weapons for Drew Locke as well as protection. Lloyd Cushenberry on the offensive line. And 
We'll see what happens with Natani Mutai, but certainly a guy who at the combine impressed his bench press, very strong individual player. And uh, this is a draft class that clearly with the focus on building around Drew Locke, they are going all in on the kid from Missouri, understanding that 17 points per game is just not good enough. That's what John Elway said to the media. And look, when you average 28, 29 points per game, and I ain't talking about Denver, I'm talking about Kansas City, the cream of the crop of the division, that is what you are chasing. And I think if you're Denver, they fully understand that they are going to have to come after the Kansas City Chiefs in some way on offense. There is only so much you can do on defense, but on offense they are going to have to run with Patrick Mahomes in some way, shape, or form, and that's what this draft was designed to put together. Now, we're going to go draft picks from 1 to 10 when it comes to discussing them, but obviously starting with Jerry Judy, the 15th pick overall, the wide receiver out of Alabama, uh, the number one wide receiver on my board at least, and a, a, a player who is arguably, as many scouts have said, the great, the best route runner coming out of college that they have ever seen. This is a kid with incredible feet, uh, great footwork, exposes the corners and their deficiencies. This is a selection that is going to complement. Cortland Sutton very well as uh, I think you're going to see a lot you're going to you're going to recognize a lot of Emmanuel Sanders inside of Jerry Judy and what he's going to be able to bring to the Denver Broncos offense and kind of becoming that security blanket to fill the holes that well you know the defenses naturally allow and uh, somebody who could be a big-time weapon for the Denver Broncos for years and years to come. They again went offense in the second round, and this this drew a lot of eyebrows from Denver Bronco fans. And I'm going to tell you why this pick ain't as bad as you think. The second-round pick, 46 overall, K.J. Hamler out of Penn State. Now, Hamler didn't run the 40 at the Combine, but we already know this kid is a absolute blur. Many believe this kid is in the four twos when it comes to his 40 time and somebody at Penn State who both return kickoffs, punts as well, and, and of course a, a wide receiver option as well too. Hamler is not straight line speed. Hamler is more of the jitterbug, just incredible acceleration. And that's what really jumps off the page. It's not so much the speed. It's the time that it takes from him to get from zero to 60. Uh, the amount of speed he can put down to the ground immediately is absolutely incredible. He has some receptions at Penn State that just make you wonder, like, how, how does somebody get that fast when it comes to accelerating? He really could become that home run hitter that I think Denver has desperately sought after for many, many years. I mean, they really have not had that kind of player for a long time, and obviously helping shore up the special teams is going to be a major positive as well, too. Hamler, the second-round pick, uh, 46 overall out of Penn State, is someone who is uh, told of high character, a kid who will probably come in and be utilized as a weapon in the slot, taking end rounds. and I tell you what, if you are the Denver Broncos, when this kid catches the football or gets the football in general, watch out, because, boy, this kid can really... I mean, he can make cornerbacks who have made quality angles towards the football 
as far as tackling goes, look really bad. Uh, that's how fast this kid is, and uh, he really could be a big-time swayer in this draft class, as uh, a lot of people thought that this was a poor pick in the second round. Uh, I will tell you now, I was not hot on the wide receiver position, just the position in general. I thought Hamlin, uh, excuse me, Hamler, I thought was a, a solid pick along with Denzel Mims, uh, if that was to be the pick. As long as you get the offensive lineman that you're looking for, your day one starter, and, and I tell you what, Denver did land that in the third round. Now, I want to I don't want to skip over their corner that they selected out of Iowa, Michael Ojemudia, who, uh, look, Ojemudia, a lot of people thought maybe slightly better than a third-round pick, 77th overall. Denver obviously needs that guy to essentially become their speed corner to cover some of the faster guys in the league. Henry Ruggs now in Las Vegas. Tyreek Hill, obviously a Kansas City Chief. Uh, day one? That might be your uh, project. That uh, that may be your job is covering those guys. If you're Ojemudia now, certainly look. If you are Denver, you know if if you don't know a lot about these defensive prospects, if the these offensive line prospects, you know I think it, it, it's okay to say that. First of all, you know it's funny because you know a lot of people turn to you know some of these broadcasters or these analysts and they expect us to know absolutely everything and you know what a lot of a lot of times i'm going to be truly honest with you a lot of times a lot of these people lie they they just well you know we've seen this we've seen that box score yada yada when you really haven't watched the film uh, you know, once we get into the fourth, fifth round, I'll tell you now, outside of Mute, I really haven't seen any of these guys. But I'll tell you this. The one thing that I think that you can be confident in saying is guys who are in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, you're talking about uh, Justin Sternad, uh, you know, uh, Tuska, the, the uh, defensive players. If there was somebody to be evaluating a linebacker in the later rounds, it is Vic Fangio. If there is somebody who is evaluating the offensive lineman in Lloyd Cushenberry or Natani Mutai, uh, Mutai uh, the, it's Mike Munchak, right? I mean, so you trust your coaches to make those correct evaluations and take those guys as they become raw quality players for this football team because Denver's going to need it in several positions. Now, 10 selections overall, obviously, as we continue on with the third round, it is the number one round for them as they make three selections. I think this is going to be your critical meat of the draft class. I think we expect immediate impact from Jerry Judy as well as KJ Hamler. But how Ojemudia, Cushenberry, and Aguim really pan out is, is I think, going to define this this draft. You know, Okuebana in the fourth round is somebody I think that, look, obvious chemistry with Drew Locke already could become the favorite target. And all of a sudden you're looking at it like, okay, well, your offensive weapons within your first six picks, I think you could uh, say clearly that there's there's a real good defined role. You know, Ojemudia is going to be have to, going to be have to be uh, uh, thrown into the mix quite early and often. Lloyd Cushenberry the third is going to be your immediate starter at the center position. Now we'll see what McTelvin again brings as well too out of Arkansas, the defensive lineman. I don't think this is somebody who needs to start right away. So if you are Denver, this is uh, obviously a little bit more of a depth pick, but with the understanding that. Look, this kid can uh, get up, this kid can block passes, this kid can uh, really be kind of one of those mosquito grinders for you 
who replaces Shelby Harris. Uh, the writing is on the wall that Shelby Harris is not destined to be a Bronco long term. This is uh, something that I think many people thought was going to happen this offseason. Shelby Harris instead signs the one-year deal, does not get the long-term deal in free agency. I believe will be 29 next year. And so if you're Denver, look, obviously you're happy because you get the one-year very cheap and very productive defensive lineman back, but you understand that this is somebody who is not going to be around long-term. As we turn our attention to the fourth round, only one selection in that fourth round, Albert O, as they like to call him in college. Albert Okawebuna out of Missouri, of course, caught passes from Drew Locke. Look, if you are Drew Locke, going into the fourth round, you were thinking, oh my gosh, I am the biggest winner of the NFL draft. And then I get my favorite target from college. Uh, Okawebuna is somebody who is big, fast, Again, the fastest the fastest tight end off the board in the entire draft class goes to Denver in back-to-back years. Noah Fant last year, Okawebana this year, 6'5", uh, about somewhere in the range of 255, 260, and somebody who runs the 40, uh, who, look, some, some believe this kid is... Four uh, high four fives, uh, four five nine, and and somebody who can stretch the field be again one of those options where you know Denver starts to put together this offense with okay you've got Okawebana and Noah Fant you have Jerry Judy Cortland Sutton Hamler is this X factor uh, obviously Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon out of the backfield and Drew Lock pulling all the uh, levers you hope that Drew Lock pans out because. Because he is set up for success. And if he does, my goodness, he has got the weapons to produce a top five offense. That's the kind of draft that the Denver Broncos had. They really went after the offensive side of things and really uh, essentially set themselves up for a core offense that could, for the next five, ten years, be just right there. With the Kansas City Chiefs when it comes to points per game. Now, I'm not saying that this is a offense that is, you know, gonna become special or anything like that. We don't know that, but certainly of the the things to evaluate, they've got a lot of speed, they got a lot of height, they got a lot of explosiveness. And I tell you what, if you are a Denver Broncos fan, I think you are very much excited about what this offense could look like moving forward in twenty twenty. And beyond, of course, Abel Wabana, the uh, tight end out of Missouri in the fourth round. Fifth round selection, Justin Sternad out of Wake Forest. And again, it's kind of one of those picks where you're thinking about depth. You know, we talked about this big, uh, with the game on the uh, defensive line. You know, Shelby Harris is not going to be a Denver Bronco for the long haul. And I think you kind of say the same about Todd Davis and maybe that linebacker. Look, a lot of flexibility also with Sternad. And so, uh, you know, he's he's kind of built more like a safety, more like a tall, uh, you know, kind of kind of filled up safety. Um, and he's very rangy as well to play after play who could really, you know, give the uh, Denver Broncos some some very good flexibility. And I think, you know, when it comes to uh, what he could do, be more of that hybrid, uh, I, I think he's got to fill out a little bit more for the linebacker position. So I don't know if he's that true linebacker, that depth. But look, again, you know, we've talked about this on the podcast in the past. Flexibility is everything. 
for Vic Fangio right now. And so uh, you got this kid who, who's got the, the speed and the athleticism, uh, a, I think very good footwork, uh, somebody who is outstanding when it comes to range, when it comes to uh, you know uh, sideline to sideline, is very good at kind of picking through gaps and chaos and uh, very agile and somebody who could really uh, provide some solid run defense as well as pass defense for the Denver Broncos. Now, obviously, where are the cons if this kid lasted to the fifth round? Well, ruptured biceps in October uh, has certainly changed a lot of uh, what a lot of people and a lot of teams obviously thought of Sternad. Now, Sternad says he was cleared in February, but of course the injury, regardless, to the Deacon is something that many considered. 4-7, dash, and a vertical jump of 29 inches. His athleticism isn't jump off the page, and his production is fairly okay overall. Now, Sternad, uh, of course, uh, you know, was very much a leader, a team captain for his wake for his team. And when Wake uh, Forest got him into the starting lineup in 2018, that's when you saw him really flourish. 105 stops, 8.5 tackles for a loss with a sack and a half pass breakups, uh, five of them in 13 games. That got him honorable mention, all ACC honors. And then, of course, his senior year off to a good start, but then surgery derailed that in October. So if you are uh, the Denver Broncos, again, looking for more of depth, and I think if you are uh, a Denver Broncos fan, you look at this and you say, look, uh, of the guys that I want evaluating this type of player, it's Vic Fangio. And so Justin Cernad becomes the fifth-round pick, 178 overall for the Denver Broncos. Natani Muti, the next selection by the Denver Broncos, and... A very interesting one out of Fresno because this kid, a little bit of that uh, same, you know, long-term kind of thought process with the idea that, look, sixth round, 181st overall, let's just go for absolute uh, ridiculous strength on the offensive line. And that's exactly what they're getting with Muti. Born in Tonga and an all-state offensive and defensive lineman in Hawaii, uh, injuries have been the issue for Natani Muti. And somebody who, look, redshirted in the 2016 season, uh, the Achilles injury, played two games at 2018 left tackle before he ruptured in Achilles, uh, he started three games at left guard before the Liz Franck injury uh, ended his 2019 season. Uh, certainly, look, health has been a problem, but in his healthy season, starting 14 games at left guard, garnering all uh, honorable mention 2017 All Mountain West Conference honors, 44 reps on the bench press. Uh, somebody at 6'3, 315 with incredible strength. 31 and three quarter inch arms and 10 and uh, well 10 and five eighths inch hands drafted in of course the sixth round for the Denver Broncos. You look at this and you say, okay, uh, uh, a kind of a big boned prospect, you know, uh, heavy hands, somebody who he, you know he kind of looks the part of an NFL guard and somebody who could really have that bulldozing strength 
to get the job done, but obviously injuries become the problem. And I think the little things start to become issues as well, too, along with the injuries. You know, somebody who hasn't had the ability to, uh, you know, be on the football field a ton. So what happens? Well, your footwork starts to deplete, uh, you know, particularly when you're pulling as a blocker. You, you look, uh, you know, lethargic, slow. And and this is where you, you start to see the issues that many other teams saw and said, uh, too much of a, a project, if you will, we will pass. Denver wanted to take a chance on him. And look, Mike Munchak, of all, probably the entire NFL, of all the guys you want evaluating an offensive lineman in the sixth round, it's Mike Munchak. So I think this is one of those where you trust that coaching staff and you say, okay, let's see what they can do with Natani Muti at, uh, out of Fresno, the offensive lineman, sixth round pick, 181st overall. Tyree Cleveland, at a uh, wide receiver out of Florida, the seventh round pick. And again, one of those for Denver where you have a um, – Ability to take some flyers, see if there's anything here for Denver when it comes to somebody who maybe tries to make the practice squad, maybe gives them a little bit more of a uh, you know jolt on offense uh, long term. Maybe this is somebody who could you know potentially work his way through the Denver system. Four four six forty yard dash, thirty nine inch vertical, so certainly physically, uh, you know Cleveland very nice. Before he uh, went to Gainesville, was a star receiver in high school as well. Two, four games as a true freshman, uh, was a very good option for the Gators. Now, did have to miss the Peach Bowl. Uh, that was back in 2018 uh, due to an injured shoulder. But again, depth player, somebody who has also contributed on special teams as well, too. I think this is one of those players who is certainly, uh, the production fell short of what they thought was going to happen in Florida. Uh, you know, the route running is not the most polished. Uh, you know, the uh, it's 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 kind of weird because, you know, on, particularly on deep passes, I've seen a little bit of film, but he's got this kind of interesting, like, going after the football on a, uh, not an attack phase, but, you know, a little, I don't want to say lethargic, but there's this deacceleration kind of thing that he does that uh, is, is I, I think the movement cadences are a little too predictable right now in the NFL. And I think if you are, uh, you know, an NFL corner, you start to see what is coming. And so, you know, particularly I want to say the Auburn game where, you know, he was kind of smothered. And I think if you're the Denver Broncos, again, you're not expecting immediate impact out of this kid, Tyree Cleveland, out of the seventh round because that's what a seventh round pick is. He is a flyer, and so Denver looking to pick one there. Derek Tusker is the final selection edge rusher out of North Dakota. The Bison comes into uh, the Broncos system as a edge rusher that I think a lot of individuals are going to look at and say, hey, can this kid make a impact for Denver immediately and again I say no but as a depth player uh look Derek a team captain in the past you're going to be surprised to hear that probably not and somebody who uh when it comes to the 40 yard dash 479 
24 bench presses, 33-inch vertical jump, did the cone drill in 6.87, a little bit of a versatile option. Uh, Tuska, one of the big reasons why the Bison had such a strong defense, great strong senior year, uh, third straight title as the first team associated pressed All-American, and Missouri Valley Football Conference Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, 2018, honorable mention in all conference, 12 tackles for a loss, seven and a half sacks, starting seven of the 15 games played. And as a sophomore, also put together some nice numbers as well, too. Seven and a half sacks, nine and a half of them for losses. Uh, kind of that hard-nosed physical guy, uh, somebody who has good strength and kind of, kind of them. You hear this a lot, a very cliche. He's a motor guy. He's a motor guy. You know, he, he has the ability to play at the next level. I think a lot of people are going to look at this kid and say, hey, this kid with some good guidance, and again, this is where Vic Fangio, his specialty has to come in to kind of turn these guys in because, look, he's skilled with his hands. He is a power rusher, but it's it's the poor arm length. It's the quickness that he lacks, the the change of direction, that burst to get off the ball, and the narrow base that probably has a lot of teams scared away. Now, if you were the Denver Broncos and you say, hey, can this kid kind of mold into a strong pass rusher for us? This is where Vic Fangio and that defense got to get the best out of a seventh-round pick. Don't know if he makes it in the NFL, but certainly somebody to watch. I think the, the way the Denver Broncos approached the draft class in general was a very strong one. Look, they gave immediate impacts on offense between Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, Lloyd Cushenberry, obviously on the offensive line. Uh, those three are starters, and you can make an argument that Albert Okawebana is a starter at the tight end position next to Noah Fant as well, too. I mean, you're talking about four starters there. You can't go wrong there. Now, starter versus contributing different story I understand but certainly as you can see these guys are going to make immediate impacts whether it is on a pro or con basis Michael Ojemudia at the corner position as well too certainly shoring up a major weakness and uh, McTelvin again more of that stash for the defensive line somebody they saw as very talented and uh, you know obviously the future moving forward on the defensive line that they are going to uh, be utilizing and can now bring up on a slower more developmental basis and I think if you're Denver you look at the top six picks and you say okay those are guys who are going to most of them going to make immediate impacts on this football team when you make the turn towards the fifth sixth and seventh round you see a lot of potential in Sternad, Muti, Tusker like there is a lot of potential it's just trying to get that best out of it. And this is where you have to trust your coaching staff with the idea of, okay, uh, these guys are obviously very raw. They are big potential guys. Uh, some believed Muti, particularly, was the best guard in the draft. But obviously, injuries a problem. That becomes a non-issue moving forward in the future, and Mike Munchak can start to teach those raw, uh, uh, you know, basic fundamentals to the kid to to play at the next level in the NFL. Now, all of a sudden, you know, you, you're not throwing the pick away, and you know, I could certainly respect what Denver was trying to do. 
they end up making 10 selections outside of move. They don't move. Uh, when it comes to trades, you know, a lot of people thought Denver was going to be trading up to the number 10 spot. Denver thought that they, you know, maybe potentially would be moving up in the second and third rounds and from utilizing their day three picks to move to day two. Denver stays put and they uh, make their selections the most darts per se at the dartboard and so we'll see how they pan out i think you know you could see a draft that remains very top heavy where still those first second third round picks become your your guys where the later round picks start to dwindle away but certainly going to be interesting moving forward and uh, how they do well as far as valuation we will have to see three years from now you got to give them three years. Got to give the draft class three years. I know everybody wants to talk about, oh, well, you know, we want to give them grades and all this jazz. And a lot of individuals are big fans of uh, the Denver Broncos draft. There are several individual uh, outlets, uh, ESPN, uh, NFL.com. Many celebrities say the Broncos got infinitely better and uh, may have had the best draft class of the NFL. I, I'm going to tell you, I'll be the first to tell you, I don't know if they had the best one in the NFL because I don't follow any other team outside of the Denver Broncos, but I will say the Denver Broncos, they had a logical draft. They had a draft in which they gambled. That gamble ended up paying off, particularly in that second to third round, selecting K.J. Hamler instead of the offensive lineman Lloyd Cushenberry. A lot of people wanted Cushenberry in that second round pick. What happens? The Denver Broncos select the wide receiver out of Penn State, and Cushenberry still falls to them in the third round. So I think if you're Denver, that gamble paid off. You've got some nice offensive pieces in Judy, Hamler, and Okawebana, and obviously some raw prospects that could be good for developing in the later rounds in the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds. So interesting stuff in the NFL draft. We're going to have so many uh, reaction podcasts to the different positions, different selections, but I want to hear your responses in general, of course, on Twitter at Ronnie K radio. That's at R O N N I E the letter K radio on Twitter. What you thought of the NFL draft, uh, get your responses there. Uh, Zach Seegers, of course, our buddy on mile high sports who led our, uh, Broncos coverage on the draft picks did a great job for mile sports.com says speed, speed, speed. Denver knew they needed to get faster and more athletic on the whole. And, with every pick, they swung for the fences with super athletic prospects with high ceilings. There's a lot of risk for some outright strikeouts, but if it hits, it'll hit in a big way. Josh on Twitter says lots of weapons, missed some good to great defensive players in the middle rounds. I'd say on paper an A, but like all draft classes, you need a few seasons to grade on the field. Uh, Polish Filipino on Twitter says gave Locke and Shermer all the weapons needed to be successful. Those two providing quality results are key to the Broncos making the postseason. Michael on Twitter says looked like after the first pick, somebody erased the board and everyone was trying to remember what pick was next and forgot what they needed. So interesting stuff from Michael and Levo Quinn on Twitter says grade B without Judy and Cushenberry. It's a D really wanted to tackle. And unfortunately, I think we have to go through free agency, which means more money. Not sure if we have it. So interesting responses on Twitter. We will continue those at Ronnie K Radio. That's at R-O-N-N-I-E, the letter K Radio on Twitter. Look, I think, you know, when, when you're evaluating this 
draft class immediately, it makes sense. And it seems logical. You know, I said with Denver's day two picks of the four that they had, they needed a corner, they needed an offensive lineman, they needed a wide receiver, and they needed a linebacker. They filled three of those four. And so you can't not like what they did in day two. Obviously, day one, it is what it is. Jerry Judy falling to them. I think most people would put peg that as a very quality selection and something that Denver needed so desperately for many, many years to come. From rounds four through five, six, seven, look, uh, we'll see how it pans out. Again, raw prospects. I really like the Albert Okawabana selection just because of the familiarity with uh, Drew Locke out of Missouri. Obviously, somebody who, uh, look, Denver didn't have a lot on this kid because they called Drew Locke the day of the draft, that Saturday morning, and said, hey, Drew, tell us about this kid. You know, they might have did some of his on-field evaluation then, but his off-field evaluation, well, they they look towards Drew Locke for a little bit of a heads-up on the tight end, and Okawebana is the fourth-round selection, 118th overall. So, interesting stuff from the Denver Broncos as uh, they make 10 selections in the draft class, really like the selections overall, and I tell you what, if you are a Denver Broncos fan, again, you could see potentially... Five starters out of that first six picks, and I think that's the big thing to pay attention to if you are a Denver Broncos fan when uh, evaluating this draft class is that you are at least going to see these rookies on the field uh, showing what they can do. And I tell you what, if they make a big impact, then all of a sudden look out because this Denver team could be very, very good in 2020. It's the Broncos Blitz podcast, of course. Uh, My name is Ronnie Court. You can follow me on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio. That's at R-O-N-N-I-E, the letter K radio on Twitter, where I thank you so much for tuning in. Of course, a lot of stuff coming up on evaluating the draft, what this 53-man roster looks like. If you are the Broncos, of course, there is a lot of roster movement that is going to be coming up. Uh, They did end up making some moves today, uh, releasing Perwell, Howard, Sizer, and Tuali. Uh, They are going to be continually making moves and signing undrafted free agents. We'll have a podcast about that as well, too. So a lot coming up when it comes to evaluating the Denver Broncos and their offseason as they make the final turn when it comes to that mass player selection. Will they consider other free agents here now that the draft is over? We will certainly see what is the future for some of the players that are still on the roster. Justin Simmons obviously still looking to sign that long-term deal. Will Garrett Bowles remain on this roster? A lot to discuss moving forward i hope you join me on twitter to discuss it all at ronnie k radio that's at r-o-n-n-i-e letter k radio on twitter and then of course at milehighsports.com for all the discussion on the denver broncos so find more podcasts at the many different locations where you could stream this podcast of course spreaker stitcher itunes spotify and milehighsports.com That's milehighsports.com. If you like what we do, hey, support the podcast and give it five stars. Hopefully you enjoyed our uh, discussion, and we will continue and be daily with this podcast for the next couple weeks as we break down the draft and their selections and what uh, this team could look like moving forward for the Denver Broncos in 2020. So again, find me on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. A podcast from Mile High Sports. Check out more info on the Broncos at milehighsports.com. That's Mile High Sports. Later, y'all. 
To listen to previous versions of the Broncos Blitz podcast, visit milehighsports.com or subscribe to the Broncos Blitz wherever you get your podcast.